You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ariel Hawani, host of the MMA Hour on the Vox Media Podcast Network. Each week, we interview the biggest names in the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. So tune in live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern over at MMAfighting.com or download the show afterwards on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you then. Hi, friends. Mike Prada here from the Limited Upside Podcast and SB Nation NBA, dropping in to remind you that to get ready for this amazing NBA season that's sure to unfold, we spent time this summer with all 30 of our SB Nation team sites and other friends of the show previewing every single NBA team. If you want to know what's going on with the Bucks fan base, with the Rockets fan base, with Timberwolves fan base, everything in between, just scroll down on our feed on Apple Podcasts or on SBNation.com to find the team or teams that most interest you. We preview them all, got the temperature of every fan base on the Limited Upside Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. This is no longer the season preview series we were doing. I'm Ben Epstein, joined by Mike Prada. There are no guests. It's just us two. How's it going, Mike? It's good. We've had enough of you mother effing guests. (laughs) Get off our show. Yeah, at at this point, I don't want to talk hoops with any individual team anymore. I am super excited to talk about the NBA as a whole. We've been waiting to get here. Today, we're recording this on the, uh, the morning of, or the afternoon of, the season's starting, so it's an auspicious day for all NBA fans, and, and the NBA couldn't have teed it off better with two very appetizing games. They got lucky. They did. They did. Did they think, do you think that the the Celtics uh, would have made that trade with the Cavs and that was like sort of set up perfectly as the opener? They had an if-then button. They're like, if mm-hmm. the Celtics make the trade, then we're going to have them play yeah. the Cavs in the opening night. Yeah, so there's that, and then the uh, ring ceremony tonight in, in Oakland will be you know, against one of the top competitors for the Golden State Western Conference and overall crown, and that's the Rockets, so... No shortage of, uh, of of fun games tonight, too, in fact. And there is no, I saw you tweeting about this earlier, Zach Lowe may have tweeted it as well, there is no NBA TV Orlando game. Sorry, Magic fans. No, I, I miss the like <laughs> random League Pass game. The Wizards were on that a couple of years ago, I remember. Of course, dude, NBA like TV and League no, Pass it, it loves was. the Wizards. What is that supposed to mean? It just means when, they, when they're playing in the 4-5 <clears throat> matchup this year, they're going to be on NBA TV. They were not. I don't think they had a single. Oh, I guess they played the Hawks. So yeah, they were on NBA TV last year. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's let's get into. Uh, I I want to pick your brain a little bit, Mike. I have not had the opportunity to do this outside of our Wizards preview, which was which was a lot of fun. Everyone go listen to that. Um, let's talk through some over unders, some predictions for the season. Let's just get into the the total team here. I I want to get into or should I say total league. I should say. Um, I want to get into something. A prediction you made. And we'll start at the top. Last night on our Golden State Warriors preview, which is you think that this Warriors team can set the NBA wins record passing the, the previous Warriors record. Yes. Talk I don't know that. how much I totally believe Give me the rationale. Give me the bullets, though, for someone who's so, like, hey, I want to hear about why they're going to win 75. So last year they won 67, right? Mm-hmm. The year before they won 73, they had an amazing clutch performance. Last year they had a better point differential. So luck, they were unlucky in crunch time or poor in crunch time. Hmm. They, also, they also were integrating Kevin Durant. That took a little bit of time. You had those crunch time disasters in Memphis and against uh, the Celtics and some of those other games, Sacramento. Yep. Do you remember the moment where Draymond Green was like yelling at Kevin Durant? Yep. yep. They had that. Then Durant gets injured, by the way, misses a whole second half of the year. They lose two games from the moment 
from in their last 32, <laughs> 34. Yeah. Yeah. One that they lost on purpose and one in game four of the finals. Their worst stretch was in this really difficult travel situation. Do you remember they were in like eight different cities in 13 days? Mm-hmm. So amid all that, they still won six, seven games. Now, the team, the roster is better. We talked about it last night, yep. but they're deeper. They're healthy right now. Steph is in really good shape. If you look at sort of the way they shot the ball, I think that they can shoot better, amazingly enough. They don't have the problems of integrating Durant. Everybody else now has got to integrate players, so that's going to take some time. They don't have the schedule's more spread out, so they don't have as many schedule losses. So why can't they win more than 73 games? I guess the only way they can is if they literally sit players a quarter of the season. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I thought my over was, was high. I think anytime you put 70 wins down for a team that you are – you're going to be shooting for the stars. That's a historically great team at the 70 win threshold, mm-hmm. right? Which we are just assuming we're already placing them in a historic bucket. If they win 67 games again this year, that would be three of the last four years they will have won 67 or more games. That's got to be the up. last uh, all of the last four years, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I should say that'd be 67 wins, three of the years, and 72 wins or whatever it was. 73. Yeah. Wins. So the the point being that. We're already talking about a team who's we're placing in, in the um, you know the annals of history right now before the season starts. <clears throat> I do find it interesting though that a seventy-five win team would mean that seven losses, right? You, you that's are, that's my bold that prediction is a for the crazy, year. Crazy um, number, but yeah, I have them at seventy wins, and and I think that that's I think they're easily the highest win total here. Who is the next team, Mike? And I know we have I have my over unders. You have your over unders um, directly in front of me here. Um, and so I think it was what San Antonio, Houston, are each at fifty five and a half, I believe wins. Mm-hmm. Which of those teams do you see, or if not both? How do you see them playing against their over under? Um, that's let's start with Houston. Um, they are a fifty five and a half Vegas team. You have them over. I have them over. I have them a slightly higher over. Talk me through where you think Houston kind of falls in this. I'm a little worried about them. Uh, a little less worried after watching them in the preseason. I just. <laughs> It's hard for me to see, even though it's worked so well, like that those two guys, Paul and Harden, as motivated as they are and as much of this, as they've come together, just walking in and hitting the ground running. Yeah. It's possible. So far, it looks so good, which is why I bumped them up a little bit. But I was a little worried about that. I also think they're a little old. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, the team. There are two health risks in Anderson and Gordon, who stayed healthy last year. Yep. They brought in all these wing players, so if they're all healthy, I think it looks really great. But they're all in their 30s. So, you know, is Tucker going to fall off? Is Mbamute going to fall off? Is Trevor Ariza going to fall off? Uh, Mbamute fell off like six years ago. He's he was been, pretty good last year. He is uh, For the Clippers, he was defensively sound, and he plays a good team basketball player. Yeah, no, I mean— Yeah, I guess that's what Yeah, he was pretty good last year. He shot a career high, I think, in threes. That's crazy, because when he was on the Sixers, he was just there to be like the Cameroonian bridge for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for uh, Embiid, and that was only two years ago. Yeah, um, so they okay. have a weird— they have a good roster. I just worry that some of those guys are going to fall off. I mean, by the way, Chris Paul's not young either. No, no. I, so, that's true. And he's had injuries. You know, over the course of the last few years, Chris Paul's missed large chunks of time. Yeah. So, but watching him in the preseason, my fears have been allayed a little bit just because they are hitting the ground running Paul and Harden. They do stagger them a lot. Mm-hmm. This whole thing with them playing a small ball five unit is interesting. And I think one of their young guys, I'm not quite sure who is going to step forward. I actually kind of like Troy Williams as a dark horse Hmm. this year to plug his way into minutes. Uh, So I like them a little bit better than I did. But I do think – I didn't pick them to get the four seed, 
But I think there's a, not, a decent chance that they they do. Like I, I don't know. I think there are a lot of things that could still go wrong with that team. I'm a little skeptical of some stuff. Okay. Okay. I mean, less skeptical of things like Kawhi's injury for San Antonio or – Well, I don't know uh, what it is. Like is it, a, <laughs> is it a long injury? I don't know. Whenever you start talking about a couple weeks before the season starts, that he's going to miss the opening night. It's a, it's a weird thing, right? Like, this is a, a, going to be a hyper-competitive conference at the top where seeding does matter. You do not want to be the four seed. That's but an extremely, you know how the Spurs are. They play for the long haul. I know they play for the long haul, and the long haul will be not to play the Warriors in the second round, um, in my opinion. Which you think they will. I think that they w- – I actually think the Spurs are going to be just as good, if you, assuming that Kawhi is, like, back relatively soon. So they are 55-and-a-half from Vegas as well. Mike has them at 60 wins. I have them under at 53 this year, but only insofar as I think they got a lot of learning curve right now. I think they're got more emphasis on younger players than in past years, far less proven guys. Um, when you talk about the, the, um, the backcourt specifically, uh, aside from Kawhi, there's not a ton of guys who can just get their own bucket. And look, they're paying LaMarcus Aldridge like a guy who can get 20 and 10. That's a huge question mark. That was a bit of a weird contract. What yeah. do you sacrifice in trying to get LMA those touches? Is offensive flow and and other people um, getting touches? You know, yeah, so, you watch them in the preseason though; they look pretty good at moving the ball mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I think Rudy. They, they also lost a few guys that uh, they're going to be a more open offense. I think they were not a great three point shooting team in terms of attempts last year. Mm-hmm. They have Rudy Gay now. They can go small a little bit more. I'm a little more bullish on some of these younger players. Um, I'm not quite as high in DeJounte Murray as Spurs fans are because they're like, oh, my God, this guy's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that, but I, I think him, Kyle Anderson, Bertans, like they actually might be – I think there's a decent chance those guys are better than the players they replaced. All right. Uh, and that includes Jonathan Simmons, by the way. Ooh. Yeah. Um, he cashed out. That's for sure. Yeah, um, but I, I think a lot of it will depend on Kawhi. Mm-hmm. I think Kawhi, by the way, can still get better. Yeah, for sure. Amazingly. Um, And I think Aldridge should be a little bit better. Again, regular season, that's not when you really worry about him. And so I I think he might play more five. They certainly got a little bit more athleticism now, and they're bringing Gay in instead of having David Lee play. (laughs) And this is just what they do. They pile up regular season wins. No, you have them at 60 wins. for. I mean, that'd be another 60-win season for the Spurs, right? Yeah, I mean, when's the last time they disappointed you in the regular season? Yeah, it's it's been probably it's been a long time. Yeah. I, know, I hate even thinking back in time for Spurs stuff because basically, as long as Pop has been there, they've been successful. Right. Um, so I just think the other thing too is we've had this discussion on other podcasts, but I just trust them a little bit more against the Warriors than these other teams. Yeah, and and yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So let's move on to the next team. We got to be relatively brief here because I want to hit the top four as I think we see it in the Western Conference right now, and that's Oklahoma City, fifty three and a half wins. We both have them over at 57 wins. I feel like 53 wins is not that many more than they had last year when it, the team wasn't that good. They won 47. They won 47. They had a point differential of a much weaker team. Sure, sure. And they won a lot of games last year just because Russ. I mean, straight up, Russ put a lot out on the court. I think maybe Vegas is underestimating in some capacity here, and I never – I don't even like using the term underestimated because they take every single thing into consideration, whereas I have like my own bias here. But there's No, a, I th- I'm sure that you have thought about this much more yes, than the Vegas yeah. odds makers. Always. I mean, <laughs> what, I have no real t- you know, full-time job, and, and Vegas just partially um, throws caution to the wind. Just kidding. So the, the point there would be like, 
I think that they might be underestimating how important giving Russell Westbrook a little reprieve can be for what you would also get from him towards the end of the year. Like, Russ was tired last year and running on fumes for the last two months. But he had his best two months. And yeah, he absolutely <laughs> did. Well, the because the desperation component was like, shit, this guy needs to start winning. They need to get into the playoffs. And I know you're a big Russ guy. Yeah. But <laughs> does Russ... Do you see Russ as the kind of player that will automatically like enjoy taking a step back or will be capable of taking a step back? I no, think No, I don't. I think that would be that'll be an interesting thing to monitor. The one reason you would be optimistic about the Thunder is the same thing that I think we talked about on their preview show, but um mm-hmm. when Russ was in the game last year, they performed very very well well above 47 win level it was just that he played fewer minutes because they wanted to preserve him for crunch time which worked but in those I guess 14 13 minutes a game he didn't play they were beyond the worst team in the league they just had no answers now you would think that they could stagger Paul George and Melo on that second unit and be able to stay afloat and still give Russ a chance to sort of go wild so I think that's going to be a big plus for them Mm -hmm. I do worry a little bit about how Melo will fit in I also think they may struggle a little bit in some bigger matchups. I think they have a little more depth than people, other people do. I'm a little higher on Jeremy Grant. I like Alex Abrinas. We'll see if Patterson can get healthy. If he can get healthy, I think he's a good backup player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you can stagger those players so that you can make up for your bad bench. Their defense, defensively, they should be really good. Yep. You know, I think the question will be how do the touches work out? I haven't seen a ton yet from Melo that suggests to me that he's just a spot-up, okay, just fitting as a spot-up shooter. I feel like there's still a little bit of, like, let's get Melo his his touches. And I don't know if Billy Donovan is the kind of coach that can design this offense that actually delegates responsibility the best way yeah. with all three of them. So I think they're a step – I came into the preseason, like, much higher on them, and I now think they may be a step below San Antonio and Houston. Okay. But you – on the other hand, well, we, not have, think this. we have the same amount of wins for them, 57. So I think even in, in well, you were we saying have, last night that you thought they were going to play the Warriors in the conference finals. Yeah, I think I think they will. Why I, is that? I, I mean, part of partially because I think there is we talked about this again. I hate to keep touching back on our team previews, but there is this like one year aspect to this where like they really do need to max out what they do this year in order to keep it, not just. Uh, um, Paul George around Russ, but you know whatever they decide to do with Carmelo, if they want to trade him at some point, whatever. Can they even trade him? I don't know. I'm just saying, like in the in the future, he's definitely not a part of the. If Russ, you know, plays the rest of his career out there when he right. plays, he's signed, the, Melo's not a part of it. Paul George could be, and that's a that's a discussion. You need to make this the most appetizing long term play as well as successful short term season. I don't know. I also just. I kind of look around the West and think there's a lot of teams that are more flawed now than they were last year, like uh, Clippers, Utah, um, yeah, Memphis, like teams that are perennially pains in the ass for a team like Oklahoma City that I just think are going to be easier wins this year. I, one of the other parts of this this whole conversation is I'm I want to ask you, and I was teeing this up, but like who is the fifth best team in the West? Because that's almost right. a more interesting conversation than where the top four play out. Um, but do you think it's Minnesota? Do you think, I it's, think Utah? it's Minnesota? Do you think it's the Clippers? You mm, Minnesota? It's definitely not the Clippers. Okay, so Minnesota is a team here that is a forty-eight win Vegas predicted team, which is a huge jump. And we're talking this is a team that hasn't made the playoffs mm-hmm. in years and years and years since Kevin Garnett, right? Yeah, yep. it's been two thousand and four, the longest playoff throughout <laughs> in the league, and now they're expected to be a forty-eight, almost fifty-win team. So. We both kind of have this interesting thought here. You have them over. You have them at 50, 
And I have them just under at 46, because I still think 46 wins would be great. And they're a team with a lot of shift on the, on the roster. Um, a demanding coach, young players, all these different things that you can equate in there. Tell me why Minnesota is the fifth best team. Well, I have concerns about Minnesota in that I'm still not – you know my feelings on Andrew Wiggins. Yep. <laughs> I'm a little worried. I'm still worried about just how he's – he just got his max deal now. So how is he going to then accept a lower, lesser role? And is, he, is Jimmy Butler going to be good or bad for him? Uh, they also don't have a ton of shooting. I'm and almost more worried that Teague is going to be worse for him than Jimmy Butler. I think Teague will be fine. I, I have a theory on those offensive first point guards who really Teague's not a great passer by any means, and his no. role, his the most successful version of Minnesota this year is Teague properly delegating to three guys who are going like you're saying really want the ball two specifically, and then Wiggins who's going to need to get his. Yeah, I think Butler is going to play a lot of point forward. Yeah. I think actually in that sense Teague is a decent fit. Yeah, because then he can play off and shoot more. Right. Yeah. The thing I don't know about is they're not deep. And they don't have a lot of shooting, but I also think that in the regular season, it's just they're going to rack up so many fouls drawn. Oh, yeah. And they're going to yeah. do some, like Butler, I think, will fit in pretty well. I think the, what I really worry about with them is not like kind of how well they're going to play this year because they, I think they just have too much talent compared to some of these other West teams. And I think they're going to have too many things they're really good at in terms of they can just slog the game down and get to the free throw line and. You know, you look at their point differential too. Like they they dramatically underperformed relative to that. So I think that's better luck and having Butler in the end in there at the end of the game should help. And do you worry at all though that with a lack of bench, but with the stress that Tibbs puts on players individually, that, that could be kind of a yeah a, a jump off point for maybe a lackluster regular season. I'm a little worried about them sort of more as a long term project than mm-hmm. as a this year thing. I just wonder if. They're accelerating the timetable too fast. I wonder if Wiggins, like they, honestly, they could win fifty games and Wiggins could be a major disappointment. And they still have enough top level talent for yeah. it not to really matter. I think the question is, are they going to maximize their long term window? And that the other thing I think is worth noting is that unless unless Butler really is commandeering, which is possible, Car Anthony Towns is going to have a massive year. Yeah. And he was amazing in the second half last year. And yeah, I, he's incredible. I think it's like a little interesting. It's sort of weird how he's suddenly become a awful defender. Like I'm not saying he was a good defender last year, but remember the two years ago we were talking about how great a defender he was. So yeah, it's in it's in there. He's got to yeah have it recaptured. And I trust Tibbs to pull that out of him eventually. But this is like a big year for Tibbs. I mean, last year they. They were terrible on defense. They had problems. They had sort of— The third quarter thing? Yeah, they had like information (laughs) overload problems. Yeah. So they better kind of hit the ground running this year because now he's kind of got all his people in there. So I think they're—I just think talent-wise they're too good compared to the rest. But I also don't know if I see as much long-term upside there as I once did. Fair enough. Um, Because we need to do a number of teams here, and we're not going to hit every team— Go back and listen to the season previews if, if you want to hear every single one of our over-under predictions here. But who's going to be the eight seed in the West, Mike? And how many wins is that going to be this year? I got Memphis 43. 43 wins, you think it's the eight? Yeah. And then you'll have a team who's like that nine who's like at 42? Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. So why Memphis over, and then tell me who, who's missing. Yeah, I got Utah, Denver, and Memphis as my last three, which okay. means no Portland and I'm no New Orleans. Really? So wait, so no Portland is an interesting one, I guess, because you feel like with a full year of Nurkic playing alongside the guards, that that would be a better team than last year. You would think. I'm a, uh, I'm a believer in when, when I see it with <laughs> Nurkic for a little longer. I, I want to see him do it for more than half a year. 
they also lost some depth and didn't really replace it. Like so, if you look at their wing rotation and their shooting on the wing, it's actually quite shallow. Mm-hmm. You know, they lost Alan Crabb, who was their best shooter. They had to get rid of him for ta- cap purposes. They bungled that whole contract situation. That that from the very get go was messed up. But yes, yeah, well, the whole thing. Him. I mean, it's, it's so now you have what Evan Turner, Harkless, uh, Aminu. Like those are guys who I don't. They have some things going for them, but I don't really trust them. They have too many big guys uh, and. So I'm a little skeptical of how deep they are. If they have one wing injury, I think they're really in trouble. Yeah. And I don't know if Nurkic is going to be – I need to see it with him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they've really solved their defensive issues. And I don't know. I just How many more years are Lillard and McCollum going to be like kind of cool with this setup yeah. and Good. this way of playing? I, I just – we'll see. I think I wonder if there's going to be some sort of chemistry issues there. They love each other and mm-hmm. they get along, but – I mean, at a certain point, those guys are probably too good to play. Yeah. To, I don't know. I'm just wondering what's going too on. Too similarly good. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. one of the ways I thought about this is, okay, where do they rank in offense and where do they rank in defense? I don't think their offense is top five. No. Uh, it's probably borderline top ten, maybe worse, because, again, they don't have a lot of shooting. They have a great system. Yeah. Their defense is definitely not any better than it was last year. No, the defense is going to be an issue. So yeah. where, why exactly am I picking that team to win like 48 games? Like where is that coming from? Yeah. Let's see. You have Portland winning 42. They're 42 and a half over under, by the way. And right. I have 44. I think I have them as the 7 or 8 seed. I don't know. Part of it is I just like uh, irrationally trust in those dominant guards to, to get it done. I look at a team like Utah, and I think if Utah's in a tight game at the end of the year, I think they could be trying to stop teams from scoring but having a lot of difficulty scoring themselves. I also yeah, think I, you, I will definitely say that Utah yeah. will have a much better point differential than their actual record. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I think they'll have the fifth best point differential in the West. And, and be like a little bit over 500. Well, I think they're going to win like 45, 46 games. But okay. yeah, I, because this is the big question with Rubio, right? Is that every single year his teams do not perform in crunch time because in the last six minutes you don't have to really worry yeah. about him guarding him as much. Yeah. And then you work in the Favors and Gobert spacing issues. And Favors back is like one of the most important parts of this team. They need Favors to be not 20 points a game, but like right around that this year because they have to make up the Hayward. And you need Gobert to take a massive step in the offensive side of the court and hopefully not have that take away from the defensive end. And I don't think that's what they need. I mean, what do you need? You need Mitchell to be an immediate NBA hey scorer? Like, You've been watching him at the preseason. That I, dude is good. I, you know I'm a huge Donovan Mitchell fan. I, I, was, I think he's really good. Yeah, we'll a see. A little bit more from Hood, a little bit more from him. Well, Hood's in a, you know, he's going to be an RFA. This is a huge year for Hood. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, he can be the scorer. He has the, you know, the ability. He, uh, he's one of the guys who I think obviously will get the more, the benefit of more touches with Hayward being gone. But, but also like, I don't know. Utah's a team who I, I guess you trust in the coaching, so I think they'll be there, right? You trust in the system. You trust in the defensive backbone. It's going to be right. like top, what, two in the league, right? Two, two or league. three. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. How many teams that finish in the top five in defense don't win 45 games? Yeah. No, that's a great point. So, so I mean, like, what like, are Utah's they going to have to be in offense for them to miss the playoffs in your mind? Back back five. <laughs> They're not that bad. I don't offense. think they'll be that bad. But like, uh, If you have the third best uh, um a defense and like the twentieth best offense. That's a forty-five win team. Yeah, and I have them at forty-four. I have them at forty-four and Portland at forty-four. Um, Whereas with Portland, what are they know. good at? Is sort of the thing I'm getting yeah. at. Like they don't. The Jazz of all these teams in this mix, the Jazz maybe the only exception is Denver's offense. 
Yeah. Uh, which has been a little clunky in the preseason, but obviously they were number one for most of last the second half of last year. Right. So that's th- those are really your two elite units among those teams. Everything else is like kind of. And I guess Memphis's defense as well, although I don't know how that's going to mesh. Yeah, Memphis's elite unit is the fact that they have an an interesting, disruptive center who is better at basketball than most other players in the league, and Marc Gasol, who seems to be at least around a forty plus percent free I know what three you point mean, shooter it, now. Like, yeah, I know what you mean, but like saying he's better at basketball yeah, but like, is just sort just, of a very I, basic. I know it's basic, <laughs> but like, I, and I would never say that about like large swaths of players in the NBA, but like. Marcus Gasol is just really, really good, and so is Connolly. They're they're basically the point guard and center equivalent of each other in this league, mm-hmm. and so in tandem, that's enough to get me uh, to think Memphis will be. I don't know. I have them at like forty. You have them at forty three wins. The over under for uh, for Vegas was thirty seven and a half. Thirty seven right. and a half is low. Also, um, the the analytic systems do not like them at all. Although they yeah. often have underrated that team. <laughs> it's in, yes, right. Well, I think part of the underrated aspect in that is they. Analytics probably didn't like Tony Allen playing for them. Probably didn't like Zebo. No, I think are, they like Tony Allen. Those are two. Those are two two ball players. I mean, those are non three point shooting two ball players. Yeah, I mean, they're like they're like. I, I had this team. image of the All Star <laughs> game. <laughs> two ball, right three ball. There. Yeah, like. I know what you. It's not what you meant. Yes. I just had this image of like Tony Allen shooting. Uh, yeah. What's it called? Where they had to like go to the different spots. Yeah, the yeah, floor yeah. And, like the, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I the other thing uh, reason I'm like a little higher on them than I think most are is because I think Fisdale is really good at getting something out of these guys that are sort of underappreciated and undervalued. It's a year in his system. We're, guys like like a Wayne Seldon or uh, some of the other guys that they have, uh, obviously Jermichael Green was great. I think like Deontay Davis, Andrew Harrison. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a James Ennis I think is a really good example of this. They're, I think those guys are going to overachieve a little bit. So everybody looks around that team and they say, oh, I don't, I've never heard of any of the other guys on this team. But I think they will outperform based on – Fizdale's coaching, and now that the offense really is more to his liking yeah. in terms of style, style, that's a team that I think could finish again seventh or eighth in defense and make some offensive improvements, even though the personnel isn't as good as it was in the past. All right. I guess so, the question is, you know, is Gasol and Conley are going to play like they did last year? Yeah, I mean, Gasol played like seventy-two games and became a prolific three-point shooter, which you know, so that's just the way the league's going. Yeah, um, so he should Lopez. have done that many years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, who's going to be the worst team in the West? And then we'll move to the East. Phoenix. Phoenix, for sure. No Sacramento in uh, conversation. Actually, let me think about that a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> yeah, I just – I don't really trust the culture that Phoenix is building. Like, I, I look at those young guys, and I I don't see any of them getting better. Although, Josh Jackson has been impressive. Yeah, Booker – I, I, I'm fascinated by Booker. Just I mean, Booker's a, a great talent. Right. But has he – did he? do you think he got a lot better last year as a player? Um. He I know he, had more, his... he was more confident last year, which is important. When you're a shooter, at the pedigree that he is, confidence is, is a really big factor. Um, and look, he was given that that confidence by the fact that they were playing for nothing the whole year. Um, that uh, you know he had a number of other guys. Like he's he's young, obviously, for being in his uh, what, third season now. Um, and Booker was like one of the youngest guys in his draft class, and, and he. But, you know, when you're on a team with uh, Chris and Bender and Ulysses and, like, everyone's, like, 20 years old, like, 21 years old. So he had a more of a leadership responsibility that he filled last year. He seems – it seems like um, – and I don't want to, like, knock a culture that I'm not there for every day. But I think that there's an interesting, like, 
semblance of camaraderie that they're building within this team. I just don't think it makes a lot of sense in, in a player personnel standpoint. There's a lot of redundant pieces. And then I, I guess the other part of this is like there's no free wins for them. Like they have to play really well to win a Western Conference regular season game. I also think they're going to trade Bledsoe, and then they're going to get even worse. Remember, keep in mind, this is the last tank-off this season. So I think it's going to be the Maybe. Maybe. I mean, okay, (laughs) it's the last of the previous tank-offs. Just new tanking will be. Yeah, but so this year I think they're going to be they're going to be like the most shamelessness towards tanking this year. There, are, I could count like eight teams that should be tanking. Yeah, we look between the. Well, let's actually let's rank them. Who do you think is like a, of all the teams? Who do you think is going to be the, the most Knicks. tanktastic? The Knicks, the Knicks are the, the Knicks. You think it's the Knicks? The Knicks, the Knicks, because I think the Knicks fan base right now, and I'm just going by our conversations with Seth uh, Rosenthal, it, are more than excited to tank and try to get Doncic. <laughs> um, you know, I think they have. Well, this, that's like, the other thing. There's so many great prizes this year. Yeah, like you don't have to be the worst team. You could be one of the three or four worst teams and still get a great prize, like you were saying. Um, well, let's look at the. Let's let's try to dissect the picture. You've got Phoenix yeah. and Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think the Lakers and are Sacramento gonna... really needs that tank? Right, because, because they they're losing their pick. Their pick. That's right. That's right. Right. I guess the Lakers are probably not in the tank off because they're they traded their pick. Okay. So you have those two teams, and then the East. Lakers have... are in the opposite. Lakers are in there. We need to show other prospective free agents next year that we're yeah, trying that's to get true. better. Yeah, and of course you have to keep in mind that there might be a team that suffers an injury and yep. throws their way into this mix. Um, yep. So there are those two teams for sure. Yeah, in the East you have Chicago, yep. New York. You don't have Brooklyn, but I think they're going to be bad. They'll be bad. Yeah, they'll be in the conversation to hand to Cleveland a good pick. So right. So they, there's Indiana, although they have not acted like it. There's Atlanta that I, definitely needs to tank. I there's, think Indiana could very well be the worst team in the Eastern Conference. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, why, why is I, that? Um, well, I'll give you a few reasons. You just mentioned that they didn't fill any uh, – they, they're acting like they're trying to be something still by, like, going after veterans. They're still going to be starting guys like Thad Young who could potentially get traded. That could help a team who's trying. Um, I feel like we say this every I year know, about know, Thad Young. That, well, he's been on a bunch of teams. Um, <laughs> um, and I look at the Pacers roster and I think, Miles Turner, is he going to be a guy who scores t- 25 a game? No. No. But they have no one who could score 15 a game other than him. Straight I mean, up. don't you think Oladipo is going to put up numbers even no. if he's not efficient? No, I don't think Oladipo is good enough to put up numbers. It's not situation for him. He's been on crappy teams that weren't trying to win in the past in Orlando and not been able to do anything. He's been on teams where now with, uh, with Oklahoma City last year where he was a supporting player who had only one-on-one basketball to be played or wide-open shots, and he's not a good enough open shooter. So, no, I don't think Oladipo is a guy who's just going to like – like I think Schroeder or Schroeder – will have huge numbers this year, poor percentages, but have kind of ridiculous box scores on the Hawks. Mm-hmm. I don't think Oladipo is good enough to be that on on uh, the Pacers. So as a second-year player, he averaged uh, just under 18 a game with four rebounds and four assists. So that's, okay. I think, what you're looking at. Yeah, you, maybe you that's say. it. Uh, yeah. Like 18, 4, and 4 from your quote-unquote best player is going to make you a 22, 23 win team. That's true. Mm. <laughs> Which is right there with... Jersey, of uh, Jersey, with uh, Brooklyn, and uh, you know it's I, only been like six years. How are you making that mistake? I know. Still? <laughs> you know I, I, I'm going to be honest. It's because in my head they're still there. Like even though I live up the street from, I was going to say you live Nets, like right next to that. I do. I, I live up the street from the Barclays Center, and um, yeah, they're still always going to be the Jersey Nets okay. to me. But um, I mean, there's a lot of competition in the bottom of the East. Yeah. Would you want? Let's move over to the East. We just yeah. did a little quick dive into the West. There's nothing else that, that truly I think needs to be. So you don't believe in New Orleans enough. No, no, I don't. So, I, do you think if see, I don't either, and I, I made I made that clear all around. I'm mm-hmm. not a big Demarcus Cousins fan. I don't trust that 
infrastructure. I, they've been doing some interesting sort of things to try to open things up in the preseason that are one of those things where it's like, oh, that kind of looks cool on the uh, whiteboard. Yeah. Uh, and then let's see how that looks in January where these guys are tired of each other. And I, their defense was actually pretty good post-trade uh, yeah. deadline, but I am skeptical that it will be good again because they're just so small. Yep. So I, I'm – and the infrastructure. So, okay, let's say – to because we said it on the team preview show that this was like the most important year in their history or whatever. Yeah. What happens if they stink, as we expect? Like, what do you do with Cousins? What do you do with Davis? Yeah, I mean, it's the ultimate volatile situation here, which it could be oh, – man, I just, first off, I want to say that – I don't want to go on the record saying I hope almost more than any team other than the Sixers that the Pelicans are good. Only for this reason. Yeah. I want to see this work. I don't want there to be a situation where halfway through the year we're doing a podcast and we have to talk to Paul about how the Celtics are going to get Anthony Davis. I don't want that rumor to be like <laughs> the permeating rumor of this year's NBA right. season. Like we've, I just don't want that. It's just amazing that Anthony Davis has played four playoff games in his career. Like we, On the biggest <laughs> stage, we just don't get to see the, yeah. the guy who we thought was the unicorniest unicorn in the league. I mean, and part of that is just the revolving door of injuries, the fact that they keep putting – horrible supporting wing players around him so you can double Anthony Davis anywhere he goes on the court. That right. unicorn piece gets a little bit submerged, if you will. But the the, thing, the infrastructure, the training, yeah, the, all of it is like all, just... All the above. Uh, coaching. Uh, you um, feel like they're wasting what they have. Agreed. I mean, they, they were gifted this incredible player and now they have this Twin Towers look that is so unique in there. Yeah. It's almost like the uh, organization doesn't really deserve it. Yeah, and, and another, another huge part of it, obviously, is, is Drew. I mean, they're a much better team when Drew Holiday is playing. And Drew Holiday. And why bring in Rondo, though? Well, I don't know. That's a great question for a lot of GMs to have answered (laughs) since he left Boston. Why bring in Rondo? I don't know. They want to have your chemistry screwed up. You want to have court spacing screwed up. Bogey likes him. That's why they brought him. Bogey likes him. It's a Kentucky thing, maybe. I don't know. But, um, you know, Drew's really important because Drew is, um, and we've said this many times on this podcast, but he plays other top level point guards well. He's sneakily a, a pretty good defensive player. He's longer. And Drew regulates on a, on a better level those two big guys than anybody else on that team and anybody else they've had at point guard when he's been out. Um, they they, they kind of miss that guy to say, like, that's where you go. It's your possession. It's really important to have strong court leadership when you have two personalities and skill levels as big as Davis and Cousins. See, that's sort of what worries me. Is I, I, <laughs> there, are, there are a few bigger fans of Drew Holiday than me as a player, yeah. but— I don't think he's that guy. Yeah. And he wasn't that guy after the trade when it was he was very good when it was just Davis. Like I actually thought that before the Cousins trade, and I know you don't turn down Buddy Heald and whatever else they traded for DeMarcus Cousins, but they were starting to build they had that horrible start that sub- submarine them obviously, but mm-hmm. they were starting to build, I thought, a interesting identity with Davis playing more at the five. Their defense was really good. They needed one more kind of scoring scorer, but I like that that what they were building at the holiday was playing really well. And then they traded Cousins and they traded so many depth pieces. Again, a trade that you would make yep. nine times out of ten times out of ten, but a t- trade that sort of messed up their identity. Yeah. And I thought Holiday really suffered for it. And then they gave him $125 million, and then they signed Rondo. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I really hope that I'm wrong about the Pelicans, yeah. but I don't feel very good about them. I also don't feel good about the Clippers. I'm less... 
less mad if <laughs> I'll be more mad if I'm wrong about that one, but I, I don't really trust that team either. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we're not going to talk much more about the Clips. Sorry, everybody. But I will say Mike has them going significantly under their 44.5 wins. I think you have them at like 36 or something like that. Can you trust those guys to stay healthy? No, no, no. I mean, and especially adding Gallinari, who's like another massive injury right. question mark. Here's so. another question I want to ask before we get to the East. Mm-hmm. Um, how many coaches get fired this year and who's first? Because uh, none got fired last year famously. Yeah, which was crazy. I think, I mean, I could see Gentry being an early candidate. Yeah. Uh, Nate McMillan could be. For sure, on the books. Uh, trying to think. Uh, I think Gentry's got the hottest. Gentry seat. might have the hottest. Uh, seat. Maybe Hornacek as well. Yeah, but like in Hornacek's case, like this is his first non-mellow season he's been there. Last year was, uh, last year was a Phil Jackson team. Okay, <laughs> there was just too much happening yeah. around. They'll probably give Hornacek the benefit of the doubt. And expectations are extremely low. I mean, the rest of the coaches around the league are either you know young and up and coming, or have you know enough security because of the position of their team. Um, there is one guy who I think we should be that I said in the live show that I am worried about. And Doc? Doc Rivers. Yeah, I thought you would say Doc. Yeah. See how we just did? That's good. We've been working along doing this podcast enough that I knew you were going to say Doc. Yeah, Doc, Doc, Doc should be a little concerned. They brought in Jerry West. Yep. This is not exactly a rebuilding coach. They correctly step, had him step down from his uh, position as the director <laughs> of basketball operations, and it promoted the person below him to do it. They brought in a lot of other front office people. Um if they get off to a slow start, I mean, the question, I guess, is who – who is, does he get fired or does he just leave? I just think this – I think it, uh, my, one of my big predictions for the year is that this is his last year in L.A., whether it's a complete year or not. Uh, and whether he gets fired or he leaves, I think this is his final year with the Clippers, huh. one way or the other. I like that. I mean, I'm, I could see that happening. And Doc's a guy who I think is pretty – a proud guy and, and someone who's had a lot of success in the league and – Look, there's nothing harder than being the coach of like a sunsetting team, and that's where the Clippers are. Especially when that that like you know the full shine, if you will, of the team never was that bright. They, they're a team of could have been or were so close to, yeah. and in the face of what Golden State kind of became at the same time, both those teams were on the rise. I mean, there was you know TNT games as of three years ago where you were like, yo, it's it's Clippers Golden State, it's going to be a war tonight, mm-hmm. and now it's like one team's a transcendent dynasty. And the other, we're talking about their coach potentially being fired. Yeah, they're year. kind of some uh, a mix of like the '90s Sonics and '90s Blazers, yeah. but worse. Yeah. Sort of, uh, we're going to remember them that way. All right, like tank that. off. Yeah, tank so off. You, so you think Knicks? I think Chicago is going to be the most blatant tank off team. I mean, they, they already are. <laughs> so, so there's that. Um, so I think Chicago is in in there. I think the Knicks are going to definitely be a blatant take off team. I think Atlanta's coaching is too good. They're going to win too many games to get in the picture. Agreed. I think Indiana's talent's a little too good. But, I, you know, you're selling me a little bit on just the bottom totally falling out there. Yeah, uh, get a good pick. Start over. Yeah. You know? Sacramento is going to be obviously very motivated. Phoenix has tanked off a lot in the past, so I think they're going to be very much involved as well. Yeah. And then I would say – so Brooklyn I think is not – I think everyone's getting a little too hyped about Brooklyn. Yeah, like if Brooklyn has the best case scenario season, they're going to win twenty eight games. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think our people are getting a little too like Christian thinks they're making the playoffs. I don't think how seriously he <laughs> really? believes that. He was joking, right? Uh, well, I mean, think about who they have to beat out. <laughs> but like Brooklyn's, not, I know. I mean, that sure you can eliminate just by the team. Let's assume that Embiid yeah. doesn't play like enough games to get the Sixers into contention, which we can but argue about later. I think if later. you take Embiid off the Sixers, does not play for him this year, they're better than the Nets. Uh, Def- definitely. Uh, 
Give me mm. Sarge and Simmons playing like bigs together, and that's I just, better than the Nets. I like, just think the learning curve for Simmons and Fultz especially is going to be a lot sharper than you're thinking it will no, be. No, trust me. I, think I know that, you don't like Fultz. I think, it's not that I don't like Fultz. I think his learning curve is going to be as sharp as you do. I think it's like samurai sword sharp. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, drop the a ben piece Simmons, of paper and it will yeah, cut right through it sharp. But it's not like Ben Simmons is like a wooden knife. Sharp, no, no, you know, like Ben Simmons is a sparring, a a sparring sword. Uh, (laughs) It's uh, I think his is pretty sharp too. (laughs) Having watched a lot of him in the preseason, there's a lot of things I like, but man, someone teach him how to like take off for layups because he like takes off about three feet too soon and he has no power getting to the basket. He leaves a step, he always leaves an extra step to be desired. I noticed that too, and he always goes right. And yeah, there are little, there are lots of things about Simmons that you're right. He's going to have to learn about the game, but there are other parts about Simmons where the league has to learn about him. And that's, I agree with that. That's a very interesting part of Simmons' game. He he makes teams extremely uncomfortable in a lot of different ways um, that we're not talking about. And and one of the biggest ways is the Sixers have good shooters, and when he f- he finds them at a, at a rate that I would say that if you watch. Two minutes of his preseason game, you realize this, this guy's an unbelievable passer. Um, yeah, and his his object permanence, the way he does not need to look for four or five would seconds you, to would know. You call that object permanence? Object permanence. When you when you look at some, it's it's the essence of no look passing. Oh, the ability. I'm going to use that t- phrase from now on. It's it's a common phrase. I've never. Yeah, I mean, it, I've heard it, but I've never heard it in this context. Yeah, well, and this is the whole purpose. This is one of the things that he does better than almost anyone else. Is you know, he that should go in the scouting report. <laughs> object permanence. So like, Five yeah, stars. watch out for his object permanence tonight. Yeah. No, it's true though. And then just speed. I mean, he's yeah, exceptionally fast. So guys his are, grab and goness. Uh, the thing yeah. that's exciting about them is uh, this is a trend I think you see a lot league wide now. Is that you. You don't. You grab a, re, a long rebound, and you just don't find the point guard. You just go. Mm-hmm. And there's so many players now that do that. And Simmons is going to be, other than Draymond Green and a few others, is going to be yeah. from day one the best at that. Yep. And so if you shoot a long rebound on your end, and he's grabbing the ball like at ten feet outside the lane, snatching it out of midair, you only have Redick running right. one corner, you have Covington running another, you've got Embiid trailing for three. I mean. Yeah, <laughs> that's exciting about it. But just in the half court, I think he's going to have, and he and they are going to have a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah so. I mean, look, the half court offense is going to be something that Brett Brown he's going to make his money in coaching you know, more than almost anything he's done over the last three years this year and how he gets in to play half court basketball um, with the pieces that they have. And so, do you think they're making the playoffs? Yeah, because I'm, I'm not here to speculate on Embiid's injuries, and nor will, are we doing any of that type of speculation with other teams. So, I will say that, yeah, the Sixers are. You really put your fit down. No, we're not doing this about any other team. Well, in order in order to be fair here, I think that uh, yeah, I mean, the Sixers are a pretty deep team that's way more talented than most of the Eastern Conference at this point. And um, yeah, how, how I, many games does Embiid have to play for them to make the playoffs? Actually, that's a good question. Sure. Okay. Maybe it's not even how many games, but like last year he played thirty-one games, and I'm also going to track how many minutes he played because remember he was. On that minutes restriction that he said was bullshit today. I think. Yeah, yeah, he's not a fan of it anymore. He just wants to unleash the beast. And yeah, I, it sounded like it was more not that I disagree with it, but like, man, it sucks that I'm in this position. Yeah, sort yeah. of thing. So, yeah. last year he played 786 minutes in 31 games. It's about uh, to, to carry the one. Bah, 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 bah. How many minutes per game? Really is that? good at math. <laughs> Um, Jesus. Uh, anyway, so does he have to double that in order for them to make the playoffs? Yeah. Uh, I think if he plays half a season, like 41 games, in this Eastern Conference with the new pieces around him, the Sixers will be a the eight seed. But 
41 games with the same minute totals uh, yeah, per game. Yeah, but I think, I think realistically I need at least 60 out of them this season. I think you need to start building, like, the foundation of what the team looks like around him. He's definitely the centerpiece. You know, he, uh, Embiid playing 65, 70 games this year, the Sixers are going to be easily positioned in the playoffs. He's, he is so much better than I think people even realized again because the whole thing about Embiid is it's just snapshots. It's little capsules of what he is. And for someone who had you know, an offseason, I mean, it, his offseason started in, in the winter last year, um, you know, moving from that to where he is now, like his game is even better. His body is even better. Like he, he's thinner. He's in mm-hmm. you know, better shape. And one of the things that I think, you know, you saw in that singular, or I guess he played two preseason games against New Jersey and um, against Miami. But you said like, it again, man. I do it on purpose now, I think. It's almost like a Freudian <laughs> thing. Against Brooklyn. And uh, <laughs> I should really stop doing it. I live in, I live in Brooklyn. Against Brooklyn and against uh, Miami, you got to see that there's, only so many ways to stop him, and like most of that involves fouling him. And then when you're talking about a guy, <laughs> what do you think gonna, of Hassan Whiteside? Yeah, <laughs> that I mean, whole look, trash talk thing. Well, I thought that was great. It was great. I, it was that great. is like a fun little budding rivalry that yeah. I've enjoyed. Well, the, the beauty of it is, is that like Whiteside's a guy who is a, a a very valued center in this league, and he's not good compared to Joel Embiid when they play each other. And, no, and, no. and neither is almost any other big in this league. But the difference is, is that you don't. It's not just bigs. Simmons gets small forwards who or Simmons um, and B gets small forwards who switch on him to jump and then gets the foul. Like he's right. got the drag through James Harden thing on the shot. Like I mean, he's he, great. Yeah. So the whole he's point amazing. Is, so need him to play and the Sixers could be. So a you're saying team. that if he plays 41 games at 25 minutes a game, yeah. 25.4, which by the way is what he's at, that's enough. I don't think that's enough. Okay. I think it needs to be 50 games at 30 minutes a game. So let me do some more back. Yeah of the envelope math to figure out how many minutes that is in a season. That is 1,500 1500, minutes, so it's about double what he did this year. I think he needs to double, or last year, he has to double that in order for them to make the playoffs. If he does that, I think they can make it, but I am not counting on it until I see it. Yep, I have the Sixers, uh, uh, it's 39 and a half is the over-under. You have them at 36, I have them at 42. Um, And again, I guess a lot of this is just predicated upon Embiid. Um, Eastern Conference, uh, it's less interesting than the West. That goes without saying. The, mm-hmm. the, the top of the, we just named like half the teams in the league that are tanking or at the bottom part. <laughs> the, the top half is, you know, you even get to throw in Toronto into that mix, even though nobody thinks Toronto is an exciting team. And I'm pretty sure. Not even their fans yeah, do. Yeah, there's Raptors <laughs> fans who are like, oh, good, another season where we might win a playoff round. Yeah, that I'm is. actually somewhat down on them. I think uh, they lost so, too much veteran depth. So let's, and- let's uh, play this. And you think Milwaukee will be. In the uh, four seed this year, so I'm biased because I love that team. <laughs> I, I love Milwaukee stylistically, mm-hmm. uh, so I am prone to overreacting, <laughs> as you all know about my feelings about Giannis. Um, I think he is revolutionizing basketball. I think he is. Come on, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. And you know how I feel about teams that are a little bit different. I think yeah. we talked about uh, on previous podcasts that te- too many of these teams lack imagination. They're just sort of warriors light. Mm-hmm. The Bucks are not. They they play differently. So I like them. The things I worry about are kids coaching. I think defensively I've still yet to see that they can actually prevent corner threes and do any of that stuff. They go through these lulls scoring-wise uh, for sure. And I also think that Chris Middleton is sort of a – he's a good player but a misunderstood player a little bit. Hmm. I just Everyone's like, oh, 3 and D player. Like, no, do you guys watch him play? He's more like Joe Johnson. Yeah, yeah, he can score. 
Yeah, but, but he's he also a, sort of like a little bit of a commandeering force. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's going to be be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm not sure Tony Snell will have as good a season. I they have a lot of guys who I'm just not totally sure about, and you never know what you're going to get from Parker. I think Henson, that's another Monroe. Big. They got a number of those bigs that are a little redundant too. Monroe had a good year last he, year. Oh, he was off the bench. He became like a really good yeah. bench player to bring in. Yeah. And I love Thon, and you know how I feel about Brogdon, who I actually really like, and you do not. Want to want to make a bet that Brogdon's step back this year is enormous? No. Okay. He'll be fine. He'll be about the same as he was. Why is, why is he going to take a step back? Yeah, because here's the thing. He got a lot of credit last year for being like a rookie who came out of nowhere, even though he was 24 or whatever, 23. The second round pick. I know, I'm just saying. But in this year, he's just a second year player who's like in his mid 20s. And I, my idea so is the it, way we talk about him will be shaded in that a little bit more. Okay, so but nothing's going to change about how he actually plays. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> Mal- Mal- Malcolm Brogdon is yeah. two, two scoops of vanilla ice cream with a little bit of chocolate syrup on it. You would that's eat it, fine. but you're not like, ooh, it's the most amazing Sunday in the world. Yeah, but that's okay because the Bucks have an entire team of like chocolate Sundays. <laughs> yeah, I would say they have a. I don't want to get too into. It. They have a, a like a tub of like a mystery ice cream from Ben and Jerry's. It, it could be anything, and uh, and then there's Giannis, which is yeah. like you dump all the ice cream together and swirl it into this giant Sunday. Yeah. No, so I, I do like them. I, I admit that I often overrate them but mm-hmm. i do think that they will finish with the four seed okay and then i guess the <laughs> the only way to ask this question is um the power shift of Kyrie, and then the absence of isaiah thomas do we think that do we think that the Cavs are going to be uh in a learning curve situation this year given all the new pieces and the lack of kind of that continuity that was Kyrie Irving and LeBron James, and therefore Celtics have an easy path to the one. Like Last year they got it in a lot of ways because the Cavs didn't care, right? which was important. Right. This year I think the Cavs might not get it because of a whole different number of reasons. Yeah, there's already a little bit of noise about like Wade being a little bit of a tricky fit. You know, J.R. Smith not happy. Yeah, he doesn't seem happy uh, that he's not starting because J.R. is a better player at this point in his career. Right, that's why it's a weird decision. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It is, but it's also one of those where like you, you have to decide like which one can actually handle it more. Well, true, but like for sure. But the other thing is. If I'm Wade, I'm thinking, yeah, I'd much rather go against the second unit. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I don't even know if it's a logical basketball decision. I was there. talking to somebody about this, and they made a good point, though, that like with the if you're like an older player, uh, it can take a little longer for your joints to warm up after you war- after you right. kind of get. So to it's actually better yeah. to start the game and not play starters minutes if you're mm-hmm. older because— Well, someone should see what Manu does then and just replicate that. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I mean, we've seen so many examples. Yeah. I don't know. John uh, Crawford, yeah, we could help Yeah. <laughs> I do like the switch to Kevin Love at center. I think that will help them. And I think Jay Crowder looked pretty good when I watched him. Me too. It's, they're, uh, they're asking so much of Jay I know. <laughs> I, watched, I think I said after the preseason game, like, oh, my big takeaway is that Jay Crowder is going to like work, <laughs> run his ass off and basically protect like three players. Yeah. So it's funny. I think you tweeted that, and I, I immediately went back and I watched a little bit of film um, of the Celtics run last year in the playoffs, specifically Celtics Wizards, Jay Crowder had to work his ass off in that series. Yeah. Too. It's just the way he plays. I mean, right. his value is that he will guard all around the all around the court and that he's a really smart help defender as well. And, and ultimately like I feel like he's a guy who's been really good his whole career and LeBron will add a little extra too and that could be a really exceptional player. He's, I think, he's yeah, a smart I think guy, he, too. Yeah, smart I think player. he's a really good fit. I, mean, yeah. I think he's, as a player on his own, is a little overrated, but yeah. he's sort of a great fit for this team. Yeah. Now, I am actually pretty bullish on the Celtics. Okay. 
but it's not too. it's not really in the context of the Cavs. I just think that that offensive system with those players is going to be dynamite. Like yeah. again, here's my question that I always think about with these teams, which they both have both their offenses and both their defenses. Who do you think of those uh, those two teams has the best single unit? Um do you think Yeah, it's prop Look, I don't know what this Celtics starting five is going to play like tonight. Jason Tatum starting, by the but, way. I yeah. was a little surprised to see that. What uh, do you think about that? No, I love it. I, I love yeah. the fact that they're giving him the start. Well, yeah, because I think what they realized is that they're going to bring in Rozier and Smart likely together in a second unit and it, because they played really well in the preseason together and they complement each other pretty well. They also have pre-existing chemistry. Um, but when you when you put the starting five that they're putting together of Kyrie Irving, Hayward, Tatum, Brown, and Horford. Wait, I don't know if Brown is starting. Let me double check. I no, don't he think is. He is, is it Brown and Tatum starting? I thought it was. I believe that's the starting five. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, shit. Um, yeah. And so they announced that this morning, and like I look at that unit, and I'm like, well, they're going to be the most athletic five, well, one of the most athletic starting fives in the league. Everybody can shoot there. To a, with Brown being the kind of. I mean, even, even an open shot for that guy, I think, is a decent shot at this You're point. You're not going to be able to guard them. Yeah, they're going to be really hard to guard. And there's some clips in this preseason, and it's just small sample size. But I think Kyrie and Hayward's chemistry is going to be really, really I fun do to too. watch. And so when you have those little combinations, any high pick and roll with Horford is a good combination. Uh, you know? And they're already like playing off each other really yeah. well. I mean, it's so trite to say this, but I, I love Isaiah Thomas. But yeah. who is the more talented, not the most more productive, but more talented offensive player between him and Kyrie? Yeah, it's Kyrie, obviously. Obviously. Yeah, now you yeah. plug Kyrie into the system that made Isaiah Thomas so good. Maybe he doesn't buy in 100% like Isaiah does. Right. Maybe there's some things that he can't do as well. But even 80% bought in Kyrie Irving in that system is going to be better than Isaiah Thomas. I think... I mean, Kyrie has said some weird shit. <laughs> like I don't like, I don't know like what's going. What, I, it's kind of a put a turn off for me. Like kind of the way he's been acting about this uh, sort of this coffee. What I think uh, open floor. So I call it coffee table Kyrie. I call it fake deep Kyrie. Um, yeah. Philosoph. I can't stop thinking of White Goodman and Dodgeball saying, "Oh, you're the philosophizer <laughs> <Yeah>. now." <laughs> it's more. It's clickbait, Kyrie. It's like clickbait, Kyrie. Yeah. He's trying to create these quotes, yeah. but as a player, I think he's going to be. Uh, here's another boldish prediction. I think he's going to average 30 a game. Wow. That, see, the only thing I would say that would be uh, a hindrance to that would be that they do have a lot of depth in the in, in the backcourt. So, like, there are going to be certain games where you're going to see Smart and Rosier play more minutes that might make it difficult for Kyrie to get his 30. I will say this, though. Like, if he plays through the system like Isaiah did, but with his extra shot-making ability and shot creation... Um, the opportunities will be there. <laughs> Shit, Isaiah was close last, last year. Yeah, um, and for sure. You know, it's a lot different, but yeah. I mean, so look, I think the Celtics are going to be really good. Um, the have, one thing I worry about is defensively. Mm-hmm. I think they're not going to be very good. Well, and, and obviously, bigs. I mean, right, they, they need to get another big. Baines is hurt right now. But he should be back for the beginning of the season. But he tweaked his knee and right. an eyelid abrasion or something. Um, and other than that, like, like Horford's, Horford's not a good rebounder it, for his position. They, I mean, yeah, even some of their wings, like uh, they, I mean, Hayward's a good rebounder, but like Morris, Marcus Morris, Morris is not a great rebounder either. No, no he's not. Um, so, and Kyrie is not much of a rebounder, obviously. Right. Marcus Smart is a great rebounder, and Rozier. But Brown's a good rebounder, too. He's aggressive. Yeah. No, Tatum, Tatum is going to be a very important piece now, I mean, which is mm-hmm. not something that 
I, which I actually do think was in the plans for, for Ainge, and I think he's, he's executing as he wants here, which is getting this guy immediate exposure. He is starting. He's, he's a piece of this team's equation, the team that they're trying to put together through all these trades and all the Nets picks, and Tatum is a founding, call it a founding father of the new, um, the new Celtics you know, operation here as they go for founding 18 or whatever it is titles. Um, yeah, but like, Why is he a founding father? Wouldn't he well, be more like it the— It starts now, though, is what I'm saying. Like, this is the first year of—last year was house money. Anything involving Isaiah— oh. Thomas' okay. house money. So this the entire the team of the founding fathers. Yeah. And you, okay. you could say that of the five starters right now, other than Horford, four of them are going to be on the team for the foreseeable decade. Yeah. Right. And so like, yeah. that's that's what I mean by like a founding. I mean, Horford has how many years left on his contract? Yeah, a few, right? <laughs> like four um, years left. Four so or five, I feel, yeah. I feel like he's going to be there too. That's true. He's not going to age yeah. well either. I just think, <laughs> so I made a slightly bold call early in the preseason that I think Boston will have the second best offense in the league. Now, Cleveland is always going to be amazing offensively, uh, especially now that they're starting love at center, which should help them. They are they don't have as many shooters. Mm-hmm. I th- think that's going to be a problem for them. They have great depth. Last year, I'm because I should have looked this up. I'm looking to see uh, where who was number two in offense last year. Uh, obviously, the other my other big prediction for the year is that the Warriors are going to be first in offense and defense this year. Both first team since the '96 Bulls to do that. Jeez, I believe. I mean, that, that wouldn't, they were probably really close last year, weren't they? Their defense was not number one. Okay. <laughs> they were uh, uh, their second in defense. San Antonio had them by <laughs> .2 points. <laughs> Houston was number two last year in offense. I It's possible they'll be up there again. Yeah. Cleveland was there. Boston's going to have to leapfrog a few teams, but I think I'm predicting second in offense for Boston, yeah. but and also like 15th in defense. And you have them at 55 wins. Vegas has them at 54 uh, I have them at 56 wins. You have Cleveland at 52. I have Cleveland at 51. Vegas has them at 54, so we're both on the under there as well as the over for Boston. What um, are the chances that Cleveland actually does get the one seed, you think? Because, I mean, if you, as our cast person people were saying, they are deeper. No, they're, they're, they're deeper. Um, and, and Crowder's a big – that's a piece they didn't have. No doubt. And when they get Isaiah back, assuming he comes back in January and he's, like, ready to hit the ground running, like – Isaiah's a unique player that's going to play really, really well off of LeBron. So, uh, yeah, th- that could happen. But I don't think they will. Like, again, like last year, they didn't want it. Like, it doesn't matter to them who they play in the second round. Ultimately, they know they're going to play Boston, either with home advantage or with not, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Because, like, that's – I'm sorry, Mike. And, like, I hope the Wizards are there to, to push Boston again and have another epic series and maybe right. beat them. But it's just the East is so Last thin. year was the Wizards, I think, best chance. Yeah. Not and to say that they couldn't do it, but here's yeah. a here's a one other question I want to yeah. pose to you. What are the chances, do you think, that's not Boston-Cleveland in the conference finals in the East? And yeah. who do you think is the best, has the best chance to disrupt that? Yeah, like a 15% chance, 20% chance maybe, and and the Wizards. You think get, the Wizards? Catching, catching okay. Boston. Yeah, because well, the, the Wizards, when healthy— Again, it's important that Beal stays healthy like he did last year, this year, because you're seeing, like, I think there's an evolution to his game. I think there's an evolution to Otto Porter's game. I think Porter's going to have a really good year. And you could see how Porter could be a big disruptor in a series against Boston, right? Like, being able to switch on Kyrie and on Hayward. In theory. Um, (laughs) I don't know if in practice it works so easily, but But I'm saying I don't think there's another team that, like, I know you're probably thinking about Milwaukee in there and, like— See, I would say Milwaukee only just because— Put it this way, Milwaukee has more downside, I hate this term because it's so nerdy, but more downside risk. Yeah. But as far as like if you're picking a team that's actually going to disrupt things, I think they have a better chance individually, but I think there's also a better chance that they are worse than the Wizards uh, and even the Raptors. Uh, The thing thing I worry about with the Wizards is, 
I just haven't quite seen it defensively yet. I mean, that's, this team's not going anywhere until they become a better defensive team. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just they could have a top five offense. I actually think they might. I mean, I I was thinking about who the top five is this year. That's another interesting parlor game you've got. Mm-hmm. I think Santa Houston will be there. Cleveland, Boston. You have Denver to keep in mind as well, uh, and maybe San Antonio will be in the mix. And then the Wizards. What happened to Barton, by the way? They say I have no idea. Fuck, I feel bad for that guy. Yeah, Denver's uh, been a little clunky in preseason yeah. so far. I'm. I think it's just some growing pains, but it is interesting that they have not quite gelled as quickly as I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the Wizards—they're yeah. going to be a great offense, but they don't. They should be so much better defensively. Last year, they were 20th in defense. Like, that cannot happen again. Yeah. And I've yet to see, with any of those three stars, a commitment level yet. And maybe they get it. And maybe that's something that develops over the course of the season. They've got major issues up front, I think, until Morris comes back in terms of defense. Uh, again, they will be able to score. Jody Meeks is a good addition. He yeah. looks real good. Anybody, anybody who can shoot that well. Playing on the court with John Wall is a good addition. Yeah, and he's <laughs> he's also not like uh, unlike some of the other gunners they brought in. He doesn't need the ball all the time, so you can play. I think that will really help. Like, I think that was a if he can stay healthy, I think that was a good addition. Um, and, but until they defend, I just am not taking them seriously. And I just yeah. I, that to me, those stars have got to take a little more pride in that end. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're. If they don't do that, they will be a nice 47 win, a 48 win team that loses in the second round. If they do do yeah. that, then we can talk about them making the conference finals. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's interesting that, and I guess we should uh, wrap it up on, on, on almost this. We'll get one last uh, final prediction from you. But like, I look at the Wizards and I think they're one of the f- multiple teams in the league who I'm going to slot into a certain amount of win totals that might not tell me anything about what that's going to mean for their postseason. Right. How many teams are like that, you think? Because um, I think that's actually a good point. Toronto's yeah. another one like yeah. that. Toronto, Miami, Milwaukee, I think, is going to be a team similar to that. I no, think. I think Milwaukee, I don't know. I mean, I could slot them into mid-40s wins right now and feel great about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, because like Orlando's going to be bad, and Indiana's going to be bad, and Brooklyn's going to be bad. And, yeah, the East wins you know, totals will get a little inflated exactly, this year. Exactly. Uh, Charlotte, too, although I'm a little less high on them now that Batum's yeah, out. Yeah, Batum's injury's brutal for them. Um, yeah. Uh, Detroit uh, looked kind of interesting when I saw them play, although, God, they're going to be such a slog. Yeah. I mean, but, all you got to know is they're deciding between Ish Smith and Reggie Jackson to be the point guard of their yeah. team right now. Uh, who do you think is winning MVP? Um, so the answer that a lot of people are giving and I've heard this on a number of podcasts, is Kawhi Leonard. That, I'm gonna that tell would be you my that, answer. I'm going to tell you that Anthony Davis is going to win it this year. Really? Well, this is well. Yeah. how can he win it if you don't think they're going to make yeah, the playoffs? Because I think the point is this. If they do make the playoffs, there's your MVP. And that's not a far-fetched thing to think they're so, the 8 nine, or eight or 7 seed. Because I think all the records between the – you can see about a 2-3 to three game variance between the 5th seed in the West and the – 11th season Anthony West. Davis. Yeah. What are his odds for MVP? Uh, they're probably somewhere in the, I'd call him maybe like the 6th or 7th best odds, something like that. No, they're not that good, are they? Yeah, probably. So here, here's the thing, There's right? There's only a set number of guys in the league who are good enough to be the MVP. So <laughs> last year with Russ was the first year since, I think, 1981 that the MVP didn't come from a 51 team. You're saying that will happen again. Yep. Anthony Davis's odds are twenty to one. He is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ninth. Okay, so top ten. So the the bet I like, first of all, I think Kawhi Leonard is going to win. The bet I like is Kyrie Irving at fifteen to one. So okay, but my only thing with Kyrie is that like Kyrie is going to be one of multiple very important players on his team, and like it'll be really easy to pinpoint, especially with the dichotomy of Boogie and AD, which is like. 
AD is going to have to do so much for them to be a successful team this year, and Boogie needs to just <laughs> take what he does on the basketball court and not be an asshole. Like, straight up, <laughs> score the points, get the rebounds, hit his threes that we know he's capable of. But with Anthony Davis, there's a level that we haven't seen yet and that he could theoretically get to. And if he does, if he's blocking three, four shots a game, having one to two steals, I mean, he could put up a big man's um, box score of what Kawhi does. Okay. But, you so know, what? Kawhi obviously has the upper hand being the singular best player right. on, on what's going to be a really good team. Let's start with this question. Then. How many wins are... And let, do you think Anthony Davis is going to be like Westbrook, like sort of significantly better or more memorable performance-wise than anyone else in the field? Because unless the, let's say, how, what are the chances of that happening? Say it less or what? Significantly yeah. more. Like he has to be individually more impressive than team players on better teams. Yeah, and but, significantly. Yeah, so yeah. And then how many wins then do the Pelicans have to have for him to be forty-eight? Okay. Yeah. So if they win 47, 48 games and he is the driving force, you think yeah. that he will have the you – know, it's not the weirdest pick. Because yeah, there's a cyst baked in for just playing well with Boogie. There's there's yeah. obviously rebounds, points, all the other things. And, like, there's also the visceral aspect of when you watch AD play and when he's in his dominant force, like, you know, game one against the – three years ago against the Warriors when they almost beat him, he's good enough to beat teams and – Hopefully the health lets him do that and, and all the above. Um, hmm. I, want to, I want to flip it on you. We don't have much time here because I have a run at a 2.30 meeting and, and, and all that, and I, I want to get your, your uh, thoughts on who is going to be the most improved player, Mike. Oh, man, this I is have an no in, idea. This is an interesting one. I think this came most up. Most improved player sucks. Stupid, <laughs> stupid award. Uh, and who, who's going to be the uh, coach of the year? Should we talked about who's going to be fired. Fine. Get rid of the most improved. Who's here, here's a, here's one I would say instead of most improved, and we asked this in the live show. Who is this year's Giannis, like kind of the guy that – Goes from being like kind of a, a top thirty-ish player to a top ten player mm-hmm. this year. Who do you think has the best chance of doing that? Uh, <laughs> top thirty-ish, top ten, or um, just sort of like the new the new kind of superstar on the block this year. Who do you think that's going to be? Um, I think it could be Devin Booker. Um, okay, because there's again shooting is this like really unique characteristic that no I mean he could be the second best shooter in the NBA this year right mm-hmm. and that alone could put you into a stardom level plus the numbers will be there I mean he's gonna he's gonna take a ton of shots he could score upwards of over over 25 over 26 a game easily probably mm-hmm. hit multiple threes etc and and flashy it looks good when Booker's okay. playing well so maybe give me Devin Booker moving into that conversation for top two guards Tevin Booker okay mm-hmm. I would say Jokic is yeah. my top choice. He might already be there, though. Like, uh, Jokic is not a top 10 player. Oh, top just like No, I'm saying yeah, like yeah. who is going to be like, – like last year Giannis was an all-star starter for the first time and he yeah. – second best player in the East. Like he took a huge jump. I'm not saying – I think the obvious answer is Towns, but I would argue that he was sort of almost already there. Right. Um, but so I would say Jokic and uh, Embiid if he's healthy – yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. the interesting yeah. question to me. So that's that. Do we both have the Warriors winning the title? Yes. Uh, yeah, I do. And you have the Thunder in the Western Conference Finals. I do. I have San Antonio. You have Cleveland. How many games? Uh, I think uh, Golden State and five. Yeah, I'll say five, yeah. too. Yeah. Let us know your predictions, everyone. Yeah. Uh, season starts today. Hooray. And also, of course, check out all our team previews. Yeah. All 30 of them leading up into the season. I know you don't have enough time to listen to all 30, but if you're interested in a certain team and to get the pulse of their fan base, you can do that. And we're going to be doing this shit all year, yep, yep. multiple times a week with your favorite guests and favorite yep. folks coming into the year. Uh, so that's that. Great. Happy NBA season, Ben. Happy NBA season to you uh, too, Mike, and uh, welcome back to the whole world. 
The NBA is here. We did it. It's October. It's early October, mid-October. Early for the NBA. I want to say thanks, Mike, for putting on. You did 29 of those team previews. I only did 16. So kudos to you for being the well, uh, well kudos to all our folks <laughs> that came captain on. of the ship. Kudos yeah. to all our uh, bloggers, all yeah. our friends. I mean, you should check out all those sites. So much great insight into yep. where the fan base is. Check out the NBA preview on SPNation.com. Check out Tom Ziller's 99 predictions for the 2017-18 season because he is a madman. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. In a very good yes, way. Good Check way. out Paul's MVP ladder. Yep. I think that's going to be real interesting this year. Yeah. That's all we got. Um, coming at you guys next week with actual NBA chatter. Maybe Not later just this predictive week. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, Maybe even later, later this week. week. Um, but until then, this is the Limited Upside Podcast. <laughs>